Well, thank you, Robert. I appreciate the invite to be here. And uh, when I, he reached out to me and asked me to speak in this session, um, he, I asked him what the topic was. He said, I want you to talk about setting aside things that get in the way of reaching the next generation with the gospel. And then he said, you know, things like politics or pet agendas or anything like that. And so my mind ran to the quote by the great theologian Michael Scott, who said, don't ever for any reason do anything to anyone for any reason ever, no matter what, no matter where or, or who or who you are with or where you are going or where you've been ever for any reason whatsoever. And, uh, you know, that's something I live by. And uh, so, and so as a next-gen pastor, as a, a student pastor, I've felt at times that that's kind of been my vision. You know, like the lead comes in and it's like, hey, what are you planning for next year? And I was like, I wish I would have known that quote right there. So, but over the years, um, um, I, you know, like I've, I've learned a little bit, but to be honest, I don't really know why I'm standing here um, in some ways because I don't feel like I have all the answers. And uh, as fun as it might be to make a list of all of our pet projects and our opinions and we could sift through those. Um, is, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. And so, and I realize I'm, I'm speaking to the choir here. And so uh, I'll probably share some things uh, today that you're like, well, that's not really earth shattering or groundbreaking or new, but maybe it'll be a good reminder for us today. So um, I'm gonna talk about Generation Z and I'm gonna just talk about, give you some simple thoughts that I think are effective when it comes to uh, doing ministry uh, to them. So who are they? Um, we're talking about, as you've probably already heard, and maybe some of your breakouts on this topic, we're talking about 74 million people in our country, um, ages 7 to 27, and we hear all the, the alarming statistics that are coming out um, as they relate to the church, one of which that I heard recently was that the rate uh, that they're becoming atheists is double uh, previous generations. And when we hear that as church leaders, it can be alarming and we want to run to the solutions um, but I want to submit to you this idea that the next generation is not a problem to be solved they're people they're not a problem to be solved they're people and so I'm going to give you a four simple ideas that I think will help us think in this way so number one instead of knowing the statistics which are good we should know the trends we should know the statistics but we should also know their names you know should we understand the trends absolutely but it's not just about that. And this is a unique generation. Of course, every generation has its own unique qualities, but the basic human need for value, purpose, and relationship hasn't changed. And is it any wonder that, you know, through this pandemic and everything that's happened over the last 24 months, as our social constructs are eroding, is it any wonder that the trends seem to be going in the wrong direction? To maybe better clarify, um, I would just give you kind of the second thought. Instead of talking about the issues, let's listen to their stories. Instead of talking about their issues, let's listen to their stories. One of the things I learned a few years ago, um, when we teach scripture as leaders and, and pastors, the next generation often hears things differently than we intend. We intend one thing and they hear it in a different way. For example, when we speak bi biblical truth, which we should, into the issues of things like gender and homosexuality, all too often we think of those things as issues or problems that we need to solve. But the next generation, when they hear those words, 
An issue doesn't come to mind, their friend comes to mind. Or, or maybe, maybe it's themselves. And so, while we may be teaching on a, at a level, okay, this is a problem that needs to be fixed, they may unintentionally hear, I'm the problem. I'm the problem that needs fixing. And so I would encourage us, instead of just rushing into those issues with Scripture, and, we, and again, I'm not saying we abandon the authority of Scripture for the sake of their feelings, but what if we sought to understand their story first? Again, to kind of progress through this, instead of reaching the world, again, which I'm all about, what if we reached into their worlds? Instead of reaching the world, what if we reached into their worlds? One of the uh, things that I mean by this is, of course, it's good for the church to broaden its influence, but not at the extent of the individual. And again, let me come back to this. Are we looking at numbers or are we looking at names? And not only should we know their names, but do we know what their home is like? Do we know what their schools are like? Do we know what their walk to the bus stop is like? Is it long? Is it cold? Is it alone? Because all of these things are shaping the way they think and respond to the gospel and to our message. So how can we expect to understand how to reach them if we're lacking understanding of their specific world? Finally, instead of defending our doctrines, what if we understood what they believe? One of the most frustrating things that's happened to me, and it's, it seems to be happening more often, and uh, maybe it's because I'm speaking more or teaching more, I don't know, but have you ever been misunderstood? <laughs> Anybody? Any lead pastors here enjoy those Monday morning emails? And how frustrating is it when the Monday morning email about your sermon the whole point that it's based on is something that you didn't even intend to say or communicate, right? Now, what's your response to that? Now, um, I would basically have two uh, gut reactions. Either one, angrily respond and correct them, right? Like, totally emotional, just bang it out on the keyboard, okay, set them straight, fix this misunderstanding. Or, to shrug it off and be like, they don't know what they're talking about, that's not what I meant, and just move on and ignore it. So what if the next generation is feeling the same way? What if they're feeling misunderstood? What if, they, what if they're feeling like we're not engaging with them in a way that makes sense? Is it, is it wrong for us to blame them for responding with anger or, or probably more so indifference? And I worry that because they feel like they're misunderstood, they're responding with anger and indifference. And those, re- those responses should not be acceptable to us, so I would like to challenge us to seek understanding. Now, I realize what I just said. I just challenged you to understand a middle schooler, okay? So, and you're like, how is that even possible, okay? I don't know. And to be honest, I'm still trying to figure that one out, okay? But let me put it to you like this, and I'll be honest, this is the statement that I do not want to say here today. Because I was like, okay, I'm speaking in front of all these people that are super successful, and come on, this is the best thing you can come up with, okay? You're going to ask this question, but I feel like I have to. So here it is. Do you know what the next generation smells like? Some of you are like, what in the heck did you just say? Do you know what the next generation smells like? And some of you are like, yeah, it's a mix of B.O., Axe body spray and a little bit of pot. Like, that's what it smells like, okay? 
So, now, if, if you've ever been in youth ministry or, or student ministry or, or, and you've been in a van or maybe a cabin at camp, you're like, yeah, I know what it smells like. I know, it's, I could have come up with something cooler probably, but... But here's what I mean by that is all too often after an unpleasant experience, we may not say it out loud, but we kind of tell ourselves, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to be in that van. I don't want to be a counselor at that cabin. I don't want to be there on that Wednesday night or that Sunday night. I don't want to be in that small group. So I'm going to recruit and I'm going to delegate and I'm going to, I'm going to lead in such a way so that I can distance myself from that ministry, and I hope that that's not the case, and I don't mean to, uh, to label you that way, but I just know in my own heart, and my own feelings, when we have an unpleasant experience, we kind of look, uh, look at the ministry ladder, and we're like, I need to move up, and I was talking to Hannah a little bit up on the second level about her um, ministry, her, uh, the, the vision that she has, Generation Distinct, and she said, relationship is so vital. And one of the things she said was, we're hearing from these young people, they can't believe that when they text us, we text them back. They've never been a part of something where the leader is accessible to them. And I asked her, I said, how important is relationship in your cohorts and in your, your, your vision? And she said, oh, it's, it's, it's what everything is built on. And so here's what I mean. Do we know what the next generation smells like? It means, are we in close enough in proximity to them to understand their world? and what they're dealing with and what they're feeling. And if we are uncomfortable, we need to push past that. We need to push past what, what makes our eyes roll inwardly. We need to push past what, what, what we think is dumb or gross or doesn't make sense. If we're gonna reach the next generation, we're gonna have to push past those things. Now, should we preach it in our church? Absolutely. Should we build next generation in our budget? Absolutely. Should it be written in our vision? Yes, but don't forget to actually be with them. And it's impossible for us, and I get it, it's impossible for us to know every single kid, but we should be building ministries where every kid can be known. So what's our next step? And this is kind of where I'm going to close. So I, I really don't think we can separate this from our personal worship. And I'm going to come back to this idea of smell, and you're like, how many times is he going to reference this, okay? But I was reading in the Old Testament, and it actually says that God Almighty has a sense of smell. And the concept of sacrifice um, is built around this idea. Um, it's connected to worship and prayer. And in that context, the, the smoke of which it rises to the Lord and is well-pleasing to Him. So I would just want to ask you this. What is well-pleasing to God? Is it your performance? Is it your ministry? Is it your strategy? I believe what's most impressive to Almighty God is our personal worship. Can people tell that you're spending time with the Father? Admittedly, I've done a lot of ministry um, in and of my own strength, and I'm not at all proud of that, but, um, and I hope I'm not the only one that has to admit that. Um, it's kind of lonely, but there have been years and months where I've relied on my own strength. And I remember one morning, um, I made a decision where I, I wanted to go deeper in my my personal time with the Lord, and so I got up uh, at a new time, and I, I began to do a different routine, and the first day, I went and spent some time with the Lord, and this is not self-congratulatory. I don't mean it to come across that way, but when I came down the stairs into the middle of the morning routine, my wife was like, wow, you look different, and it wasn't because I had worked out, okay? 
she said there was something different about me. And I could, it, it was nothing I had done, but, but as I've thought about that in the years and months since, I've thought about how Moses spent time with the Lord and the people could tell. And maybe your face won't glow and you, don't, you won't have to cover it up like he did, but can people tell that you're spending time with the Father? Let me just leave you with this. Your team, your team will be able to tell. And they may disagree with your methods. They may, may disagree with your, your opinions, your mindset, but they will follow you anywhere if they know that you are spending time with the Father. Because they, they won't, their trust won't just depend on you, but their trust will depend on the one they know you pray to. And when they know you pray to the Father, when they know you are deeply intimate with Him, I believe they'll follow you anywhere. And that is gonna lead us to an effective ministry with the next generation. And so here's what, there's two simple thoughts. I'm worried that the next generation looks at pastors and the church leaders and they're thinking, they're not close to God. And they're not close to me either. They're not in my world and I'm not sure they know, know the Father. And I think it would be a, a tragedy if the next generation took a, a real hard look at the church of today and they came to the same conclusion that Nietzsche said. He said, in truth, there was only one Christian and he died on the cross. May that not be the case. May they see something completely different than what he saw. May they see something in us that when they take a hard look at our ministry, our personal lives, they, say people, they see people who are close to the Father who care about them. So are we perfect? No. Do we need to lead with charisma and cutting out vision and strategy? They don't need that. But what, here's what I do think they, they need. They need incredibly close, and they need people who are incredibly close to Jesus, who are submitted to his lordship in their lives. And also they need people who are willing to humbly, passionately, authentically step into their world. Gen Z, I don't think there's much different. Yeah, they have their own they're more connected. They have a lot of different unique characteristics, but I, I really believe that the more things change, sometimes they stay the same. I think it's that way with me. We've all had people that have invested in us. How many of you, by the sh uh, show of hands, would say there was somebody that took time to invest in me? They saw value in me before I saw it myself. They stepped into my world when I, <laughs> I was not a pleasant person. They, they pushed past the awkwardness. They pushed past the smell. And they invested in me, and that's why I'm here today. I don't think it's changed. And so that's kind of what I'll leave you with. It's been that way for every generation. I think it's still the same. So thanks for your attention. I appreciate it.